Welcome to Watch Korean Cinema 20 on Secret Sunshine. And from a director who makes the most out of his sporadic filmmaking, we find Lee Chang Dong, director lead performance with enough acting for free movies. So is this 140-minute drama Secret Sunshine from 2007 uh, that is about grief, belief and emotional trauma worth the investment? Or do we need to watch videos of puppies to cleanse after this one? But uh, find out. Like, like the movie could still be good, despite ha- having to do that afterwards. But find out anyway with me, Kennedy and Hangles, Sally Lloyds, Paul Quinn, who have managed to steer away from watching barely clothed Korean girls dance on stage, <laughs> uh, holding a microphone but not singing. Like I managed to pull him away to talk of movies. So, not my fault. People sent me stuff by email. It's only right that I check it out <laughs> and, and nearly go blind in the process. What what was that lady that, that that looked like a backup dancer rather than a singer that you that you even set forwarded to me? Like that girl is not wearing much of anything and singing horrible pop music or dancing to horrible pop music. Yeah, they're they're a new K-pop band supposedly. They they started out doing what I sent to you, which is essentially just dancing and shouting at audiences, and they decided, you know, their management decided, oh, we'll get them to do a K-pop tune, and they recorded a single. And because of that video and the fact that the lady in question is not wearing any underwear, it went viral, and it's been a huge hit. So, you know, fair point, fair play to them. To be honest, I mean, I I despise K-pop, he said, about to go to an Asia Song Festival. <laughs> What's the email of your employer down there? Oh, no, 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 no. Guess no, what he no, said. No, no. I'm the other guy. <laughs> I'm not a fan of K-pop, but it's a hooky little tune. It's it's as good as, as, as you're going to get. So fair play to them that they've pulled it together, manufactured though they are. I know we, we talked briefly about this, but whoever thought, I tell you what, let's not have them wearing underwear and it'll make it viral well it worked if that's what happened so yes you've dragged me away it's music business after all just as film business is transparent and boring sometimes you know even in the timeline as we are now several studios bid on and won won the option to make the emoji movie <laughs> yep, that's where we are, people. Not in Korea, like, like it's uh, Sony won that, so it's uh, obviously going to be some animated uh, thing now that it, obviously the minions kind of look like emojis. Let's do it. Anything goes now, like the comma movie, <laughs> the period movie, the full stop movie. <laughs> don't don't jest, it's coming. Yeah, there's a many many things on that keyboard and many emojis. Like uh, you can have a. And a legacy, legacy. But uh, fuck that. Let's talk of a proper movie <laughs> instead. And uh, we are going to uh, go into Secret Sunshine and all its background and talk of the director Lee Chang Dong in a little bit. And this is, in the meantime, some contact information. And uh, we are Watch Korean Cinema on the Podcast on Fire Network. Find us on podcastonfire.com along with bonus episodes and plenty of choices for your Asian cinema fix oral. Asian Cinema Fix. Uh, we're, we're like our first like kind of tagline for the network was it's Asian Cinema in a podcast, and it's come scarily true after after a while. I think we cover most bases fairly well, including on this show. And uh, if you have any questions or feedback, email us podcastonfire at googlemail.com. 
hit us up on Facebook. There's links on in the show posts uh, to our page that you can like, as well as to our discussion group, so you can follow the updates and discussion and what have you. And our Twitter handle is at Podcast on Fire. I write about not um, girls in skimpy outfits uh, in movies. Well, I, I kind of do, but. Uh, it's uh, it's it's Hong Kong sleaze mostly. I cover not Korean sleaze, uh, Korean music biz sleaze, in this case. Uh, and I also uh, cover ninja movies and Taiwanese movies of a certain era, seventies and eighties, the so-called female revenge era. You would like that. Those women are violent in in Taiwanese cinema during a certain period, you know, because they wanted revenge. They're pretty cool. You see, see that worries me. The fact that you know that. I'm going to look at a violent woman and think, oh, you're nice. That, and it scares me as well. The thing is, my movie wife, uh, Lu Xiaofen, she kind of was part of that female revenge genre in, in a couple of rape revenge movies and stuff like that. And d- despite her being super violent, she's still, you know, very alluring, of course. You know, there is a, an, an alluring nature to feisty women, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. I, I I should probably send you some t- Taiwanese movies and uh, you'll you'll fall for that genre of Taiwanese movie and movies anyway. But uh, all of that is available at sogoodreviews.com and I video review at sleazykvideo.com and my Twitter handle is at sogoodreviews. And you can subscribe to What's Korean Cinema on iTunes and uh, you can also rate and uh, also if you have the time please leave a written comment. I know that's super rare and it takes a um, humongous effort to get anyone to write anything nowadays, which is not a bad thing. It all it makes me all the more appreciative when someone does, whether on Facebook, whether in the comments, uh, or uh, on iTunes. But uh, we would very much be happy to see uh, some um, some notes on what's Korean cinema over there on iTunes. You can actually comment on Stitcher as well, uh, uh, mostly probably through their applications when you stream us. You can leave a comment, uh, and those applications are available on the Apple App Store and Google Play, and they also have a website where you can find us, uh, our shows for streaming. But over to you, Paul, Hangul, Salidor, the URL, and... What do you do over there if people don't know about you? I'm Paul. I run Hangle Celluloid. You can find it at hanglecelluloid.com. I'm on Facebook at facebook.com slash hanglecelluloid. I'm on Twitter at twitter.com slash hanglecelluloid. And my deal is Korean film. The site reviews films. There are oceans of director, actor, actress interviews on there. I do the odd podcast. Um, yeah, it's, it's all all right. There you go. And uh, I, I write for a couple of magazines. And in my spare time, I tend to watch half-naked Korean women doing K-pop by the sound of it. Most of the world apparently does. By the sound of it. Um, yeah, but my thing's Korean cinema. So, you know, anytime you're looking for a Korean film, go and have a look. There's probably, hopefully, a review on the site. Excellent, excellent. And uh, before we get into it, uh, let's have a rundown of uh, what's to come, because we have a few sections. Uh, we are going to provide running times for those sections, so you can jump ahead to uh, any section that you want to, whether it's the bio for Lee Chang-dong or the review of the movie. And those running times are on the website, in the show post, and they also therefore turn up in the iPhone podcast application, but only if you download the show and you tap the show art, then that text that I put in the show post will be revealed, including the running times. So the sections goes as follows. Uh, first, we'll talk directly Chang Dong. We've never talked of one of his movies on what's Korean cinema, as far as I know. So this is uh, like the debut of um, his presence, if you will, on uh, the show. And uh, we'll talk of his uh, career up uh, to this point. Then we conclude with the review of Secret Sunshine, two distinct sections, sweet and simple. But uh, I thought I'd let you know, despite that you uh, have running times to uh, follow. But uh, thank you if you listen from the start and all the way to the end. 
Uh, but uh, anyway, Secret Sunshine from 2007 uh, and plot from Paul's review of the film. Following the death of her husband in a car accident, uh, Lee chin played by John Do-yeon, relocates to the small Korean town of Miryang, which translates from Chinese as Secret Sunshine. She uh, relocates with her son Jun to work as a piano teacher. Quickly accepted by the local community, she is pushed to join the town's religious group, but having no faith or belief in God, she repeatedly refuses until another tragedy strikes her life, at which point she has an epiphany and turns to religion in the hope of finding comfort and some understanding of the terrible things which have happened to her. Her newfound faith in God and the church is, however, short-lived, and subsequent events lead her to believe that God has betrayed her and she decides to wage war against him. Like, and now it's a big Marvel movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, it's a, it's, a, it's a drama, as you well understand, people. It doesn't contain any inappropriate uh, dips into comedy or stuff like that, or supernatural. It's a drama. And it's directed by Lee Chang-dong. And it's a director that through merely five movies between 1997 and 2010, five completed movies, uh, anyway, have made a critical impression globally with everyone, it seems like, including on Paul. Which, like, we, we, we should preface this that with the fact that you like Lee Chang Dong, is that it? Or do you, in fact, love Lee Chang Dong, is that it? I platonically love him, man. Lee Chang Dong can do no wrong in my eyes. He is, without question, my favorite director, whether you're talking Korean film or any other film industry in the world. That is fandom. That is fandom and a half. That says it all. That says it all, you know. And who is it then? Well, Lee Chang-dong was born in Daegu in 1954 and graduated, graduated with a degree in Korean literature in 1981 and spent most of his time connected to the theatre, both directing and writing plays. He's also a novelist and debuted in 1983 with Chon Ri, but turned his full attention to movies, despite not studying writing for film or film techniques. Uh, uh, first credits in the movie industry include screenplays for, for Park Kwang Soo's to the Starry Island in 1993 and A Single Spark in 1995. I think both of them were Park Kwang Su movies. So the question to you, Paul, knowing what you know of Lee Chang Dong and uh, having seen movies multiple times, of course, is there any sign in the written work I referenced just now that could be connected to how he wrote and directed his own stories subsequently? So that's the first question. And the second one, are those movies memorable Park Kwang Su movies? And for listeners... Park Kwang Soo is the move, director of Chil Soo and Man Soo, which we covered on this show. The the first answer to or the answer to your first question, very much so. Yi Chang Dong is obsessed with politics, with what's wrong with Korea, and in his writing, in everything he's done, in his filmmaking, in his screenplays, he constantly says something really cynical and really critical of. Korea as it stands and as it's moving forward. That's his deal. He's never shied away from slagging Korea off, essentially. And considering the fact that he's so well thought of, it shows how well he does it and how really spot on his observations are that people appreciate it, people accept it, and people revere him, really. In terms of him working on Park Kwang Soo's stuff, to the Starry Island classic film but the big big movie he did was A Single Spark. Yes he did Chilsu and Mansu which is really important but 
a single spark's more important. And again, it's all about workers' rights. It's all about persecution of the underclass by those that can get away with it. And it involves one little guy who decides to stand up and get a union together, the first ever union in Korea. And eventually he actually sets himself on fire. He said, spoiling the entire film. You know, if you if you even think of the guy's name, you'll come up with internet sites left, right and centre that say about him setting himself on fire and blah, blah, blah. That's the tail end of the film. It's not actually that much of a spoiler it's the lead up to it that that's so important and it sort of said this is what korea needs this is what's wrong with korea it underlines both park wansu's work and Lee chang dong's work there is if anyone's interested uh an interview with park wansu on hangulcelluloid.com and it's one of the most popular interviews on the site always has been so um if you're interested go and have a read of that you read through that you find out about him you can almost underline it with finding out about Lee Chang-dong as well. Have you met him, Lee Chang-dong? No. Just a couple of months ago, the Korean Cultural Centre in the UK ran a month of his films, and all their films this year are supposedly in the lead-up to the festival. So I'm assuming it's their 10th anniversary. They're supposedly bringing 10 directors or 10 actors, you know, or a combination over and with them showing a month of his films, I've got all my fingers and toes crossed that Yi Chang Dong's going to be finally in the UK and I can sit in front of him and go, why are you so wonderful? Who would you go more, more fan boy or fan girl towards him or our lead actress, uh, John, D, uh, John Do Young? Oh, what a horrible question. I know, That's I know. So, so Make unfair. a decision and be a man. If you had to meet only one and never the other one <laughs> in your life. <laughs> because you met a fair amount of directors that you adore. So maybe like Lee Chang-dong like, would be cool. But Lee Chang-dong would be fabulous. And it sounds like oh, Paul and his obsession with Korean women again. But from my point of view, the least coverage I have on my side is with actresses. They're incredibly hard to get in touch with. They're incredibly hard to get hold of for interviews. I would dearly love to interview her. I'd love to interview him, but there are, you know, 40, 50 director interviews on there and it will happen sooner or later. So if I had to choose one or the other, I'd have to say her. She's incredible. Right on. You were a man and you made a decision. He eventually, Lee Chang-dong, debuted as director in 1997 after being encouraged by his contemporaries, maybe Park Kwang-soo himself. And the movie was Greenfish. A fair hit at the box office being the eighth most attended film of 1997. The, and this is quote, critique of Korean society told through the eyes of a man who becomes enmeshed in the criminal underworld. It was a fair hit and it even featured impactful scenes, mainly a monologue in a phone booth that led to parodies in, among other things, um, in the movie 2002 production called Funny Movie. And even as late as in 2007 in some um, in some other production TV or movie. So that's the question. Without spoiling Greenfish, you already, you already spoiled another movie just now. <laughs> <laughs> what is it about that scene and the impact of Greenfish that made it subject of parody? And is that fair or unfair, lazy or good parody? I think the parody is warranted and it does work. That scene is hugely important in terms of everything. If you look at Greenfish, yeah, it talks about a guy that goes into 
the whole gangster thing. And, and, and at that time, the gangster genre was really big. But that, that little phone booth scene where Hans Q at the time was, you know, near enough the biggest actor there was, aside from, I guess, Chim and Sick. He messes up a murder, etc., etc., goes into a phone booth and phones his brother and breaks down. And the the idea of a hard-ass gangster bursting out in tears on the phone and talking about their childhood when they, you know, found green fish, etc., etc., it was... It was shocking in the fact that, you know, men don't do that. That's what that's what women do. That's what Jun Do Yun does in Secret Sunshine. She falls in the street and bawls her eyes out for 15 minutes. So it was hugely noted. It, it was bound to be parodied. It's so, so big a deal. Like it sounds like if I would have guessed, the parody would feature tons of crying and mucus and snot and like like uh, to to go a slightly immature route and make it all about fluids. <laughs> yeah, very very much so. It's it's parody in the whole physical nature of him breaking down, and it does have to be said that phone booth scene was completely improvised. Originally, he was just going to go into the phone booth, call his brother, talk about the green fish. And then that would be it. And Hansa Q took it on himself to do the whole breaking down thing. And Yi Chang Dong just went, wow, yeah, let's keep that. Is it like an un- uninterrupted take as well? Very much so. It's just there. It's what it is. And it is quite it is quite moving, quite shocking in a way. But how is the parody, as a matter of fact? Is, is it just like, well, whatever, or is it actually fun and clever? If you're aware of the original, you can't help but giggle. It turns it on its head and makes it as silly as it really is. It works, I think. I think the second parody um, I haven't seen in terms of funny movie, it is actually funny. It works. Um, and it's it's as much a, a tongue-in-cheek homage as a as a parody. It works. Peppermint Candy followed in 2000 in terms of Lee Chang-dong's career. Again, he doesn't direct frequently. And that features a story following a single man in reverse chronology through 20 years of Korean history uh, from... 2000 to 1980, therefore. And uh, what followed uh, after that, we're not going to linger on every movie here, although we, we might return to that movie as a main main movie to discuss. But what followed in 2003 was the controversial, and, and I just assumed that it was controversial because I've seen it as well, was the Romance Oasis, uh, which was rewar- awarded the prestigious Director's Award at the 2003 Venice Film Festival. I say controversial because I know of its content, among other things. It's it's a romance between this ex-con, who doesn't seem all that mentally sharp, and a girl who has cerebral palsy. The romance starts out with a rape scene. And I just assume this movie being so in your face and featuring that scene stirred up some controversy, at least. Or what do you remember of uh, Oasis's, like, ripples and impact? Yeah, very much so. Started up controversy. And again, I don't know how Yi Chang Dong gets away with this, but he constantly gets people saying, this this is wonderful. This is what we should be saying. I mean, if you look at Oasis, it essentially slags off the entire society. The only person that doesn't treat that disabled girl like a piece of shit is a mentally retarded guy who rapes her to start with. It is an excellent film, I should just preface. I even wrote a fairly big review of it many years ago on this very site, podcastonfire.com, so look that up. It is phenomenal. And, you know, again, it's it's Yi Chang Dong saying, 
this is what's wrong with Korea. This is disgusting. And people accept it. Any other director did that, they'd be like, oh, they'd be shying away from it. They don't. He's got away with what he does that just makes it utterly gripping, utterly moving, and it says what needs to be said in, in a pretty confrontational way. That is actually a spontaneous question. Seeing as that is such a in-your-face and even graphic scene, uh, I mean, a rape scene is graphic by by default, really. It's never pleasant. Is that easy nowadays or back then to get par, like to get the approval by the censors or it's just like if, if they feature that, they're just going to slap a, like a high rating on it and there's no like cuts or, or, how, or how does the censorship system kind of works in, in a general way? Their, their whole deal was and to degree is different than you would expect that. Yeah, that's a, a rape and it's a disabled girl, but it's a man and a woman. It's, it's normality, if you like. It's it's sex as sex would be, whether it's rape or not. So it'll get a rating, but it wouldn't edge towards being banned or cold or cut. If you take things like, I know I've mentioned before, like lies and yellow hair from just a few years earlier that had sort of girl on girl or bondage or anything that didn't seem as, you know, it's just normal man, sex, woman thing that's what gets banned, that's what gets censored, that's what took years to be eventually released, and when it was released, it was cut. So even though she's disabled, even though he's not exactly the smartest cookie in the the world, and even though it's a rape, because it's male and female, and because they end up in a loving relationship, it's almost passable. Well, that's censorship for you, never rational in every direction you know what i mean so that's a shame how is it nowadays is it still essentially that it's less so and you know that there's a whole thing over the last couple of years where these pseudo erotic films have been coming out and they're really trying to push the boundaries and they're getting away with it i mean if you, if you look at the taste of money that im sang su recently did it's got a scene where a 60-something-year-old woman essentially rapes a 20-year-old man. It's it's one of the most difficult sex scenes I've ever had to watch, and the film is awful. I'm a huge, huge M. Sang-soo film. I hate the taste of money. I despise it. He gets away with it because things have kind of changed, and the whole, here, this film's erotic, almost pushes films rather than being held against them. I mean, the problem these days is can they make an erotic film where the eroticism is actually worthwhile? And there are a couple of recent things that have actually done that. So it's sort of moving again. But for a couple of years, it was just like, I'm not going to watch that erotic film because it's just going to be visuals for the sake of it. It's going to be gratuitous. It's going to be dull. If you kind of expect that because of transparency in filmmakers, then it's uh, you can even dismiss things beforehand, if you will. So Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, moving on, Lee Chandong even served as Minister of Culture and Tourism in the government under, at that point, newly elected President Ro Mo Hyun for a year. But he wasn't about to abandon his film career for politics, uh, as uh, 2010's creation uh, showcased, 2010's uh, poetry, which won acclaim and the best screenplay at the Cannes Film Festival in 2010. And before we move on to Secret Sunshine... Is there another completed film or is there another film in the works or there's nothing going on right now? I assume he's in mid-mode. Um, 
I haven't heard of him setting out to do another film, but I'm sure there's something in his mind. And if you consider the the amount of films he does, I think he spends a few years just getting the ideas together, deciding what he's going to do, when he's going to do it. So there'll be something coming, but I don't know of anything imminent. I'm glad that he's essentially steering his own place in the filmmaking industry. You know what I mean? It's not like he's pushed to deliver, otherwise you're out. <laughs> you know what I mean? It seems like he has enough pull in the industry to make up his make his own schedule, essentially. And uh, obviously, when the creation is there and ready to be kind of manifested, obviously, a lot of things that need to align scheduling and whatnot, because based on Secret Sunshine, he, he gets name actors in there, and they're always working uh, to some degree, you know? So it's not like Song Kang-ho does a movie every five years <laughs> or anything. Well, very much so. And, you know, he's been he's worked with Yi Chang-dong, repeatedly for years he's actually in green fish you know he's only a, he's a small part but it, it was early in his career but yeah i'm i'm glad that he's got the reputation that i guess allows him to do what he wants to do when he really wants to do it and as for secret sunshine in 2007 it was based on lee's own short story the story of a bug that he presumably um uh, wrote and published or did not publish, uh, kept kept it in a drawer and waited for uh, waited to bring it out via a movie. His lead actress uh, John Doyon of the Housemaid remake interpretation that we covered in the bonus episode uh, that was connected to Kim Ki Young's Housemaid. She won Best Actress at the Cannes Film Awards for her performance in the film, and the film was actually a well attended picture in Korea with over 1.7 million admissions. And I have a question about that later in the review. <laughs> like, how is that? How is that possible? <laughs> and my next uh, question uh, to you, Paul, and I can have two. I suppose uh, there's not a lot of Korea to cover and maybe we've gone over this before but when lee works he works well seemingly and gets uh, noticed like you read about but uh, the, the floor is kind of yours as well right now what is it about this boss but substantial director that just does it for you and, uh, and that, that, that's the first question and how is his name in korea is it big in the eyes of the general audiences you think or is it more of a critic's favorite so the floor is yours gush i'm gushing as i've already said he's my favorite director full stop his whole deal is as i've already said pulling out politics without really saying that he's pulling out politics it's obvious what he's doing but it's always within drama you mentioned for example peppermint candy earlier on which takes a backward step through a guy's life from him throwing himself essentially in front of a train to what led to it and the whole way through it deals with the politics of Korea deals with, you know, the Gwangju massacre. It deals with the brutality of the police force. It deals with everything as it goes along. But within that, it's all about the character. It's all about the drama. That's his thing. He's such a good writer on top of being such a good director that you never feel you're being preached to. You never feel like it's a huge political thing, which... For example, Im Sang-soo, sometimes you almost think, yeah, get away from the politics. I never feel that with Lee Chang-dong. And if you look at Secret Sunshine, the number of things it says about Korean society, they're, they're numerous, but it's all about her. It's all about her story. It's all about her fight with God. That's what he does. He, he, his stories work on top of what he needs to say rather than being used to say what he needs to say. 
yeah, because that's an example of, I can already say this about Secret Sunshine, the politics angle is not something I have picked up on not being, like, knowledgeable about Korean society, but to merely watch her story is it's what the movie is about too, like primarily and in a in a majority kind of way. But but I'm glad that it can work on several levels without being pretentious or anything. It sounds like he uh, never got that critical notice that oh here we go again. Like maybe an Im Sang Soo would get at least from you. Like politics. Yep. Here we go. And there's the sex. I knew it. <laughs> in one sentence, you've summed up summed up Im Sang Im Sang Soo throughout his career, but. Lee Chang-dong is well-respected by audiences and critics alike. You know, he just, he gets it right. That's enough for now, I suppose. And as I do want to keep these shows ticking along and brief, as I've said many times, as brief as I can make them, we skip talking the bios of actors Song Kang-ho, male actor Song Kang-ho, and lead actors John Do-yeon. But shortly, talk freely and whatever you want to talk about, about these major and majorly accomplished and acclaimed actors in your words so like go fangirl and fanboy on him and her so start with song kang ho what is it about song kang ho that just does it for you song kang ho is the korean actor there are loads that we all love but song kang ho if he makes a film people will go to see it because what he does is always worth seeing because he's in it he's been in numerous films a lot of which haven't been that good but every one of them's worth watching because of him antarctic journal the howling but he's really good in it you know you look at snowpiercer he's the only korean actor in it he's the only one that speaks korean everybody else speaks english and every english language person i know that's seen it has just been like song kang ho was so good in that He's just, he's a presence. He's just there. And he's a big guy. He's hes right on the scene, you know. Um, at the, the end of the day, he started his career at the same time as Kim Ji-un worked with Park, Park Chan-wook when he started his career. And it sort of propelled him to stardom. And I think it's a stardom he deserves. Like forever and ever, the, the performance that probably is going to stand out, even though this is a great performance, is uh, his performance in JSA. I knew you were going to say that, and you're exactly right. What I've watched there, and this is a note I'll come back to, was such a relaxed, such a, it's almost making me mad how relaxed and natural he looks, and you just admire that. You want to be that good. I've never felt that he, like, started hogging the screen and, like, overplaying or underplaying to the degree where you don't notice it. It's just always tuned and balanced uh, even in movies where that i disliked didn't love as much like a movie like the host i wasn't a big fan of the host yeah, yeah. but uh, like song kang ho always uh, comes through and delivers um so uh it, it's uh, one of those actors that I, I gather you never skip a song kang ho movie essentially never uh, it, it, as i say if he makes a movie i'm gonna think and know it's it's worth watching you know you even if you take good the bad the weird yeah, didn't like that either. <laughs> well, exactly, completely throwaway. But when you look at Song Kang-ho as the weird, he's just so off his head. He is the funny aspect of that movie. And there's a lot of faults with it. There's a lot of faults with the other characters. I adored his character again and again and again as you go through his career. Phenomenal. And uh, I've only seen two movies with her, as far as I know anyway, uh, uh, John Do-yeon. And I, I didn't even know that she was a superstar 
like you read about when we talked about the housemaid that she stars in and uh, no, not that I thought like she was bad or anything in it but I, I simply didn't know about her like it was a completely new actress and completely new rep and hype about her that I found out via via you again again I don't follow the scene but again what is it about her man what is it about her she's possibly the best Korean actress there is she is astonishingly talented it's, it does sound like a fanboy thing, but you look at any of her films, she's made a name for herself right from... She started with a film called The Contact, which, again, is a bit throwaway, but it's her first film, and she, she holds the screen for the whole time she's in it. She goes through the harmonium in my memory. She's a naive little girl who falls in love with her teacher, and she holds the screen. No blood, no tears. She's actually a gangster and she's a hard-ass little lady through to, I guess, what, Happy End, which is actually one of my favourite of her films, where she's a betrayed wife who, you know, ends up being adulterous and blah, blah, blah. The husband finds out and decides to take revenge, etc., etc. And she, her performance is breathtaking from start to finish. That was her first really nude scenes, I guess, and... They're shocking. You've seen, I mean, you've seen The Housemaid and you've seen how much explicitness there is in that. Happy End, which was, what, 1999, I think? It's more shocking. It's staggeringly shocking. Um, And she gets away with it. At that time, there were a lot of actresses who did some nudity and were really slagged off for it in the, the media. Um, there was a, I, I digress slightly, but there was a, an actress called Lee Yunju who was in Scarlet Letter who had nude scenes at the premiere. They called her a, a slag, blah, blah, blah. And she, and she committed suicide about a month later. Oh my God. They, they said she committed suicide because of depression, but the fact that she'd been really, really slagged off for her nudity sort of says what was going on. You look at Happy End. It's more explicit. And Jun Do-yeon comes out of it going, she's a phenomenal actress. She's the greatest thing in the world. We love her. Let's give her another role. I don't know how she does it, but she does it. She's, she's, she's a force to be reckoned with. Transparency in the media for not, like if you're going to go after one, go after everyone or no one at all. You know what I mean? Like you might as well call her, her a snag if you're, by the same like criteria because I, I, ju- I, I just assumed that media was totally unfair against the actress that unfortunately uh, committed suicide massively unfair and in terms of what she did in in that film she was she was really good in it and it's a it's a real tribute to her and if you get a chance to see it go watch it that's that's by the by they were really unfair to her but Jun Do Yun hasn't had that hit and she as we've mentioned she's she's sort of got her kid off in quite a lot of films quite a lot of the time and she's always revered and I'm so glad she is because it allows a real talent to shine through didn't we touch upon the fact in the bonus episode that she is like over 40 at this point and looks like she's 25? Yeah, you know, I, I think we mentioned it, but but if you look at Secret Sunshine, which was 2007, she looks, you know, a, a youngish woman who would have Early been Early 30s, for, maybe? Yeah, yeah, I guess. You go back to Harmonium in My Memory, where she's a schoolgirl, she looks the same. You go back to No Blood, No Tears, she looks the same. You look at 
shameless from last year and her performance, you know, her appearance at Cannes and whatever else, she looks the same. She's just got shorter hair. She just does not age. I don't know how she does it. My quick opinion of Secret Santa. Not a cheery time. And the running time may seem like a task and a mountain to climb for general viewers, but uh, I, I watched it in two chunks just because I did a podcast in between. But uh, it is quite a splendid, challenging yet clear and distant, meaning not in your face, drama about tragedy and grief, belief and emotional trauma and underneath all of that or on top of all of that, as Paul will allude to, apparently politics as well. It's not something I took out of it because... That's not in my knowledge base, if you will, uh, knowledge database. But it is compelling because of all of that. It contains a natural view of things and natural acting that hooks me even more because I, I never grew to dislike acting after finding out how much I love watching actors act. You know what I mean? Like uh, I'm a big fan of Reservoir Dogs because of it. I'm a big fan of Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross because I just want to see actors act. Love it. Love it to death. So you, you could put John, D- uh, John Do Yon and Song Kang Ho in a room uh, for two hours and uh, that would be awesome. Like, have David Mamet write something, like, and translate it into Korean, and have them act for two hours. That, that would be awesome. I, I just love that stuff, uh, and uh, I, I, I think they would be up for it. What a great idea, yeah. And uh, Song Kang-ho, uh, we never explained it, but essentially he plays her Good Samaritan throughout, uh, but not in this overbearing, symbolic way or anything. Good Samaritan religion, ding, 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 not at all. But I'll shut up now, in short, for the sake of uh, structure of the discussion, what do you want to say in short about Secret Sunshine, first of all? I agree with everything you said. If you're into looking into Korean politics, it's a shocking film on top of the shocking, wonderful drama because it pulls apart the whole idea of how fanatical some Koreans are about religion and how much they allow themselves to cover any base by saying it's the way of the Lord, I guess. On top of that, he turns around and pulls it apart and says, look what this guy's done. And these, this society, as it stands, is forgiving him. Okay, he's in, you know, he's in jail for doing whatever he did, but society has forgiven him. It's let him off because it's God's will. And the, the wonderful fact that Jin Do-yeon's character turns around and actually screams at the, the sky God himself is, to my mind, hugely controversial in terms of uh, the whole society view of religion in Korea. On top of that, it's a great story, and I'm ranting. Right on. Let's uh, get into the discussion. Uh, It's for once a movie, but not that I follow Korea extensively, but for once anyway, in a global sense, a a movie that I wasn't knowledgeable about at all. Therefore, I didn't know of any hype. I didn't know of any content. I didn't even read a plot summary before. So it's fairly rare to go in fresh into any movie nowadays, So is my point. So that, that is refreshing. But my question, first of all, to you. This was a well-attended movie, as we said, meaning box, a fair box office hit. Yep. Is the commercial landscape in Korea, or was the commercial landscape in Korea for these kind of movies? Again, pretty heavy duty dramas. Is that in general, like, like they, they have a chance on, on the market, or was this kind of a hit based on star appeal, you think? I think it's half on Star Appeal, and as was the case, I mean, Star Appeal's slightly less now than it was, half on the fact that it's Yi Chang Dong, and it is actually a very critically acclaimed film, so people will go and see it. In general terms, smaller independents like this don't really have 
anywhere near the chance that they should have because Korea continues to be obsessed with the next blockbuster, the next big assassins, which is supposedly very good, but big blockbuster or, you know, the pirates, which was huge CGI, blah, blah, blah. They're obsessed with that because they think that's what gets people into Hollywood movies. Therefore, that's what will get people into our movies. There's there's almost a problem with smaller dramatic films being pushed out to minimal numbers of screens, if screened at all. So the fact that this had 1.7 million admissions is is phenomenal for what it is. The rest of that year there were there were a couple at about three million, then down to you know one point five and and Secret Sunshine had actually done really, really well in terms of what it is dramatically. Do you think it would stand a chance if it, if it was released today? Yes, because it's Yi Chang Dong and it's Song Kang Ho and it's Jun Do Yun and you know, every time she releases a film it goes to Cannes, it gets huge acclaim and it therefore follows through to Korea and it's put on at more and more screens. That's like a genuine, like real sincere way of putting out the movie, therefore. It's not this disgusting, transparent way. It's based on quality. And boy, boy is that rare. But uh, yeah, let, let's uh, move into some specifics, some minor things that I noticed that I enjoyed. Uh, obviously, we see her and her son, Jun, having this loving and fun interaction as they drive into Mir Yang and... Uh, you know, he he's so young, so obviously he, he can be, uh, he, you can expect that he has a temper and what have you, but their interaction is captured very, captured very naturally, and that is a key word and theme in my discussion of the movie, naturalism, if you will. So it, it's like a pleasant opening, and they have a car, they have car trouble, but and they towed, and boom, Song Kang-ho is in this movie. So he, Lee Chang-dong isn't doing anything, any dramatic introductions or anything. Look at Song Kang-ho moving towards them in slow motion or anything. Boom, Song Kang-ho is in this movie. And again, you he showcases uh, in the, this movie anyway, I don't know how much of this was evident in Oasis or anything, but again, put great natural actors in a natural-looking frame, and uh, you can have enjoyment for two hours again. Uh, he is one of those performers that doesn't seem like he's doing much most of the time. That is not, like, understated to the degree where only pretentious people will pick up on that. No, Song Kang-ho could be a fucking background player and still make an impact somehow. Damn you, talented man. And it's evident uh, throughout this damn movie that uh, he's he is a supporting character, both in a literal sense for the story, but also he go- comes and goes in the movie. But boy, is he... The impact he makes is uh, so great without doing a lot. And that is not someone just walking onto the set and like, where do I stand? Like, yeah, that'll be good. Phew, out the door. No, that's that takes work. That takes work. And, uh, like, detailed work, I assume, with Lee Chang-dong and maybe rehearsal, uh, who knows. But And you don't know about his character, his character really, how, how he is, because he is this mechanic, I suppose. And one of the early scenes with, with his co-workers and the girl who brings them coffee or something, have them commenting on the fact that she's not wearing any panties, and she is totally about, about to engage in that discussion as well. So you don't know if he's a bit of a sleaze in a way, too. It, it drops stuff for the character of, uh, was it Kim? I think? Kim something? Yeah. But he will steer away from that as he, he he kind of volunteers as this positive and helpful character for her, which is this kind of central question in the movie, too, if he's overbearing and too much for her. And I, I don't know if that's something that anyone can 
answer in a definite way, but it's a very interesting and important thread, I suppose, in the movie, if he is the Good Samaritan, but too much so. Um, for, for my money's worth, he has plenty of opportunities to uh, walk away because she doesn't want him there, but it's admirable that he stays by her. There, there is, of course, maybe a second agenda in there, but not in a disgusting way, you know, because he, he obviously, he likes her to a degree. I've only seen two movies with her, obviously The Housemaid and this. Is this her dressed down and otherwise in other movies and on the red carpet is she totally glamorous and a big diva i'm not saying that in a bad way or is this kind of how she looks most of the time most of her films she will look as she looks in secret sunshine quite dressed down etc etc if you see her on the red carpet you know she's in a beautiful dress i mean if you look at if you take a look at the Busan Film Fest red carpet things. Some of the dresses are, shall we say, quite provocative. A lot of them are quite provocative. And uh, there's that whole thing of, of, oh, look, how much flesh can we get away with, Sean? Because that'll get the media interested, considering the fact that Jun Do-yeon is willing to do so much nudity in her movies. When you see her on the red carpet, she's got her hair simply done. She's got gentle makeup on. She's always dressed immaculately as a lady dressed up certainly but not pushing anything she just she seems so natural and so just well dressed so when you see her in movies she is really always the girl next door she is always the dress down and in reality she's very much she just seems to be a lady i guess one of the strengths here paul is uh, the fact that lee chang dong isn't laying out the entire dramatic arc in the story before us in minute one or anything because it's such a packed movie in terms of her performance alone you know and they do you think uh, he lays out the various hints of what happened with the husband why she's in the town and all the developments is that well conveyed and clearly conveyed by Lee Chang Dong? From my point of view, it's almost perfectly done. There's not an exposition dump in sight here. For instance, I'll give you a good example and then I'll let you talk. There's a discussion between her and her brother. That's very casual where she kind of drops that she's severed ties with the family. and That's why she's in the town. And you never get this, why? Why did you do that? Well, I'll tell you why. Nope. There's In Lee Chang-dong's world, there's no need for that. Again, that's just another reason I love him. I despise two people standing in a room doing 15 minutes of exposition to explain what might have happened six months ago. I, if it's not necessary, then it shouldn't be there. If it is necessary, they should have found another way to do it. Yi Chang Dong doesn't do that. This has happened. You're going to find out just through casual passing conversations. And I love the fact that if a plot point is important but isn't important to the story, he will almost jump over it. And there is a, a scene where someone gets arrested after no chase, no police investigation. Something happens five minutes later in the narrative timeline, the guy's caught for doing what he's done and nothing said. And to me, that's perfection because we don't need to see how he was caught. We don't need to see how they figured out it was him. We don't need any of that. It's not about that. It's about her, and that's that's his, his power. He goes, this is her story. This makes it up, 
but it's always back to her. It's kind of the audience challenge that any audience would would pick up on. Like, I'm not gonna fill in every blanks, but you know what? You you'll easily be able to fill in the blank. Like, and the questions you ask yourself are not because of me. I'm saying me as I'm Li Changdong, not telling the story well because you wonder to yourself if you go back to the fact that she says she's severed ties with the family. You wonder if she's in rational or irrational survival mode. In terms of uh, moving on from the tragedy, yeah, and and there's no huge passage about his uh, husband's car accident, and no flashback to it or anything like that. There's hints that he was bad to her, but we never find out kind of why. Like if there were if there was abuse involved or whatever it was, man, we don't need that. Actually, we don't. We're curious, but. Nope, there's reason to move on instead. And uh, and all of it is delivered in straight, natural shot dialogue scenes. There are even scenes around tables that have overlapping dialogue that almost sounds improvised uh, because it's very documentary in feel, you know, uh, when she's out and having some drinks with uh, her lady friends and stuff like that. It's It looks very documentary, like someone just uh, watched a couple of ladies having a good time out. That's cinema to me. Like, I'm... I like every kind of cinema. I can like visual cinema. I can like certain abstract cinema. But I often come back to the fact that I just love seeing what actors act. I remember watching uh, Kevin Smith's movie Tusk, which is his uh, movie that he just made on. Like, I'm, I'm going to see if I can do it. It's about a guy who turns another guy into a walrus. Okay. And there's tons of dialogue scenes between Michael Parks and Justin Long. And on the commentary, he said, like, Critics might might take me to talk, task for this, but I just love watching actors act, man. I want to see Michael Parks having tons of dialogue, uh, like fucked up dialogue and like strange dialogue, but I just want to see people act, man. And that that made me realize that I've never, my love for that has never like died out, you know. So d- d- despite a movie like Tusk being so weird as it is, uh, the, it, that's like the cinematic thinking that's where he's coming from and certainly i think lee chang dong subscribes to that thought as well like you can have a camera sitting quite distant from a table discussion and have cinema you can totally have cinema that way i I was kind of worried again because i didn't know how the plot was gonna evolve and we can say this that there is a kidnapping plot that turns up in this movie and i wondered like could this be contrived that all of a sudden we get a kidnapping plot in this small town? It isn't, but I, I wondered, like, hmm, is he going to be able to accomplish this? But, of course, sometimes rural and small towns hold secrets and darkness, you know. Uh, it, it's not a village, this, but it's certainly a small town. with It looks like a small city center and uh, then a lot of greenery, if you will, around uh, around the town. But uh, it leads all to, and this is obviously, obviously the theme that I've just described of Li Changdong letting her go through a lot of extensive uncut emotions in single takes while his camera is kind of distant from her if you think of all of her emotions during the call that she receives that there's been a kidnapping those are uncut emotions there's barely any edits in these kind of scenes in Secret Sunshine and she is at least the one that can carry that not all actors and actresses can but uh, I-, I love that. There's certainly hysteria in this movie, but never to the point where it's too much. And um, very natural hysteria, natural wailing, which is a melodrama trap that Li Changdong doesn't fall into, thankfully. It seems like he's too talented to fall into grating melodrama. Have you ever felt that at all in his movies? That, oh boy, here we go. It's it's dangerously close, so it's always reeled in and natural looking when he does ex- extensive drama. If 
you didn't know who Yi Chang Dong was, almost every one of his films you would think, is this going to... Oh, no, we're okay. I'm so used to his films that it doesn't even occur to me anymore because I know for a fact that he's going to reel it in, he's going to have it under the line, so it's never going to be, oh, I can't handle this, this is too much. The, the amount of emotion she puts out in this film is insane. It's enough for free movies, but in a good way. Like, it could have gone so wrong. You know, it's a long it's a long movie, yeah, so there's room for it, but man, oh man. And it's just, he's just shooting her, he's letting her have the space. And it's a movie, if you go technical, that didn't really need to be 2.35 widescreen but it is because it's not meant to be this visual ride with vistas but i guess it kind of makes sense to not have a cramped frame and just keep the camera a few steps away from her during several emotional scenes yeah and i guess you could also say that whole huge screen with her as an almost distant one in the middle of the street it almost underlines her isolation because she is Regardless of Song Kang Ho, she's on her own. It all works in terms of that if you want to look at it. But I, I just love the fact that he does just set the camera going and say, let's her emote in the way that only she, really she can. And nothing is really captured in a foreboding way through that cinematography and music. There's barely any music in this movie, I think, anyway. Which is a good and confident touch that w- when that kidnapping plot happens, when the tragedy strikes, we don't get like any boom or any uh, intense editing and shaky cam and stuff like that. No, a lot of things just happens and like the utmost tragic thing that happens, I didn't connect connect the dots until, and I'm being super careful here, until we get the funeral scene. It's like, oh my god, oh my god, that happened. That did because you you know the scene before that the discovery, yeah. We don't see necessarily what it is they've discovered. We kind of like we were afraid of what it is, but I didn't connect the dots until you see the wailing at the funeral. And I think that that's part of the point. You're you're meant to wonder, you know, oh, it could could not possibly be what I think it is. Yeah, you know, and it almost underlines the fact the whole despair that you're going to feel when you get to that funeral scene. Oh, by the way, I have another question. Does she do, like, the big event pictures too, or does she try to keep evolving dramatically as an actress more? Both. You'll see her. The Shameless, which she did last year, was a, a huge film. But at the same time, she still does TV dramas. She still does smaller films. She'll still work with almost first-time directors because she likes the story. She... She's just got free reign to do what she wants to do. There are a lot of actresses that will do big films just because they're big films, and that'll enable them to do the things they want to do. But Jeanne Doyon sort of seems to pick the things that she really wants to do, regardless of what they are. So she'll do a big film, but it's a worthy big film, rather than, oh, look, a CGI blockbuster, here we go. I'm not judging her or that possible movie. But if we fantasize a little bit, I don't know if I would find that appealing. I, 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 sometimes I think dramatic actors and actresses are buried underneath uh, event pictures. Like the event takes over and uh, it's not... I, I'm not a big fan of special effects movies anyway. So I'm thinking like even if you put 15,000 award winners populating the entire movie, the event is going to be bigger than that. And it takes a lot for me to be uh, like jazzed up by a big event CGI picture nowadays. I hugely agree. I mean, anybody that knows me from Adam knows that I'm 
a huge fan of Sonia Jin. You know, I, I, I love her work. I, I think she's incredibly talented. But you look at the last few films she's done, they've all been really big budget and there's no character development. She's not given a chance to act. And, and her phenomenal acting is why she got to the position she's in now. And you watch The Pirates, you watch The Tower, and you just think, why won't you let her act? It's a real shame, and I'm really glad that Jun Do Yun doesn't fall into that. She'll do a film because she wants to do that film, regardless of what it is. And she'll always be allowed to shine through because of the part she chooses. And I think that's another big point in her favor. Let, let's move into the whole things that I couldn't extract from the movie because I didn't know all of it um, versus what I could extract. And therefore, I'm going to leave leave you to, to it to explain it to me a little bit more again. But Hour 2 obviously holds the religious angle where she finds solace in religion. Obviously, it's either going to be solace because she's in good company. There's a, there's a platform there to have emotional release. Because you don't know if she's going to go start regularly going to church, preaching the word of word of God, which she does. And uh, that, there's nothing obviously wrong with that. Anyone who finds solace in it and a comfort in it, that you, then you can do whatever you want. I, I, I'm the, the only thing I dislike about religion, without going into a huge religion t- rant, is when you trust it blindly and that you, when you're not uh, steering the boat yourself as well. And obviously, without spoiling anything, religion kind of fails her. Like, there's multiple tragedies here. Like, first there's the one we never see, uh, before the movie rather, then there's the one in the movie, and then more things happen. <laughs> what is, again, bringing back the whole politics, religious angle, what is it that Li Changdong is criticizing either mildly or heavily here? Again, as spoiler-free as you can keep it. In my opinion, I think you've just hit the nail on the head by saying that You know, you've no problem with religion unless it's blindly followed. For me, anyway, Yi Changdong's essentially saying this this is what religion is if it's taken as a crutch without thought, without anything else, as an excuse for letting atrocities happen. He's almost, I mean, he's slagging off the entire born-again section of Korean society. If you look at her character, the way she suddenly blindly accepts it, you know you know she's going to pull away from that. She can't help but pull away from that because that's what he needs to say. But for me, the film is so hugely critical of that evangelical religion sort of thing. Controversial, to say the least. Yeah, there is a scene that you hinted at, but we might as well reference it again, where she goes to the prison, visit a character in prison that's done the whole terrible thing. And how that goes down destroys her. But cinematically, it doesn't destroy her in the moment. It's one of those beautiful things where it just catches up to her and she actually faints at the end of that whole um, scenario rather than... uh, start wailing after the visit or anything. So c- cinematically, it's, it's still su- super strong. Li Changdong is in, like increasing the gear and going full melodrama on us. So. But I guess it's that it's criticizing that someone, the prisoner in this case, could be, so, so to say, saved as well. And just like she felt she found solace in God, that he can find solace in God as well. And that's the unfair bit kind of thing. 
very very much and there is there is one scene where avoid spoilers this will probably be quite vague but she she steals a cd out of a shop and goes and plays it at somewhere that song to my mind sums up everything that Yi Chang Dong says in all of his films and it's just a song that says love is a lie this is a lie that is a lie it's all lies you know and and for me it's it's him saying not only is this whole religion thing as it's standing with these evangelical sides in Korea lying to themselves but it's what he says about everything in all of his films this is a lie this is wrong this is just not as it should be and that one song just sticks in my mind and it just underlines his whole work it sounds like it's dangerous overbearing subtext you know but to give listeners uh kind of that verdict is it really well balanced and well conveyed without being overbearing it's not overbearing in any way shape or form what you've what you it sounds in talking about it Without spoilers, we've almost got to... We can't help but make it sound... Message! (laughs) But it really, really isn't. This is the story of a woman and a woman dealing with tragedy. And in terms of the film we talked about in the previous episode with the new woman thing, this is the other side of it. If you look at her in the early stages, she's constantly confrontational. She'll go to a shop and tell them their display's crap when she's never met the person before, when it, when she starts to fall apart and she knows that Song Kang-ho fancies her, she calls him on him and says, right, well, you know, she's losing her mind and she says, so we're going to have sex. She's so confrontational, it's so unfeminine in terms of Korea that he's again going, look, 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 look what's happening to women, look at this. But it never comes across like that. This is just the story of a woman dealing with grief in the only way that she can. And as such, it's just a gripping, beautiful drama. Yeah, really, it's that derail that happens after a prison visit leads to all of those out-of-control effects of trauma, which makes it very hard to watch because we get many examples of these uncut views of her acting and subsequently obviously her character and it's quite a massive detailed and emotionally epic but again not too big of a performance god damn it this could have gone so wrong it really really could have i mean to two hours 20 of this in the wrong hands director and actors it could have and um, like my, my final note really to emphasize that point Lee Chang Dong and obviously his editor too is very good throughout the movie at cutting out the meat and making us fill in certain easy blanks because there are easy blanks to fill in it's uh, no no filler here despite being a very very long movie I say very long 140 minutes isn't very long but it's a quite a mightily dramatic and emotionally packed movie so it obviously uh, and involved 140 minutes, put it that way. It's not a it's not, it's not a restful view. But never venturing into hardcore melodrama in the worst of ways, despite having several scenes of wailing and crying, yeah, which is an art that few get right. And I guess you got to thank like Li Chang Dong at the top of it. Uh, I have no other notes there. For, obviously, I approve, and um, it's uh, I might not return to it frequently or anything, but uh, certainly, um, certainly quite a splendid film. So uh, the, the floor is yours if you, want, if you want to share anything random from the movie. Anybody that's listening to this who hasn't seen Secret Sunshine, if you want to see Yi Chang Dong in action, if you want to see Jun Do Yun 
at one of her best emotive performances, this is the film you got to watch. You're going to watch it once, and as Kenneth says, you may not watch it again for a while, but it will stay with you, and it underlines what quality we've got in Korean cinema when quality is allowed to come out. Uh, this movie is well distributed in Asia with imprint DVD editions in Hong Kong, but actually not in Korea. The, um, but as for global availability or US availability, the Criterion Collection in the US have put out the movie on Blu-ray. So it's one of the Korean pickups over at the Criterion Collection. And as opposed to The Housemaid, which was only available in a box set with uh, a couple of uh, Martin Scorsese picked movies this is available on its own so uh, and you can also rent the movie on us itunes which is uh, not criterion's rental but it's uh, sundance um, sundance selects or whatever uh, it was called that uh, presented that movie so it's um i, I never we talked of this off air and I, i'm just gonna mention it anyway i never really know how criteria's deals are structured but apparently they don't have all of the us Be- because the housemaid was the criterion collection rental on us itunes but the rental for secret sunshine is not the criterion collection so uh, i've never really uh, understood how the deal works not saying it's bad it's just um Apparently, they don't have uh, digital rights uh, in all cases. So there's some, I think, some exclusive extras on the disc. I think they interviewed Li Changdong uh, exclusively for the disc. So uh, there's a reason probably to pick it up. And they're, they're always good at providing like context as well. They're not just putting out bare bonus things, but rather they, they, they try and provide context for Criterion Collection. So not a bad label to be on, even if uh, you want a huge Korean catalog to be on the Criterion Collection, just like I want a huge Taiwanese and Hong Kong catalog to be on the Criterion Collection, but we are not the curators of Criterion, so. Very fair point, although I will still stamp my foot every now and again when something doesn't turn up and you think, oh, I really like that, but never mind. Their world cinema focuses, uh, there's plenty of world cinema to focus on, I suppose. And totally. In Criterion, totally. they, they do not, they do expand their catalog rather than repress the entire catalog, you know what I mean? So it's not like they're um, releasing the same Kurosawa, Kurosawa titles over and over again and stuff like that. They're, they're expanding, so... Um. Uh, next time, as always, we have no new duo of movies to announce because I'm going into research mode after this is done. Yep, me and Paul will go into planning mode. Not just me, because uh, Paul picked the movies this time. I had no idea these movies exist. And uh, we'll try to put together two movies of old and new to be recorded maybe on one night and be released maybe two weeks apart for you listeners, uh, depending on uh, how I feel at that point. But uh, these two weeks that you've now experienced, uh, that's uh, how how we planned it and uh, saw it. So maybe we'll do that next time around as well. All right, done, buddy. We're done. Let's do the contact information really quickly again. This is uh, this was what's Korean cinema on the Podcast on Fire Network. Find this show, all our other shows, on podcastonfire.com, along with bonus episodes in the future. Maybe we'll do some bonus episodes again. Latest being the Housemaid uh, remake bonus episode. That made sense. There's no remake of Sweet Dream as of yet, anyway. So, so maybe if one is done, Lee Chang Dong maybe does does it. Then we'll come back to it to see how it fares now it's when it's 160 minutes long or something like that. 
Well, if it's if it's E Chang Dong, I'll still sit and watch it for sure, for sure. Uh, email us if you have any feedback. Podcast on fire at googlemail dot com. Uh, we have presences on Facebook, our page in our discussion group. You can uh, find uh, the links to that in the show post. Uh, our Twitter handle is at podcast on fire. So uh, follow us that way. Uh, my writing on Hong Kong cinema, Taiwanese cinema, and Godfrey O cinema, and a very variety of genres is available over at sogoodreviews dot com. And my spoken audio video reviews are available on Sleazy K Video and my twitter handle is at so good reviews and what's korean cinema is available on itunes you, you can rent korean movies on itunes so you can listen to korean movie podcasts on itunes fancy that in 2015 a revolution wow. <laughs> Mo- movies and podcasts on itunes i just found that out <laughs> apple they're going places they're gonna be big yeah <laughs> and uh if you have the time please rate and um subscribe to us if you subscribe to us please leave at least a star rating but if you have the time please leave a written comment as well and finally stream us over at stitcher radio either via their website or the applications the free ones available on the apple app store or, or google play and for reference sake, your website and URL, please. I'm Hangle Celluloid. I'm at HangleCelluloid.com. You can find me on Facebook at Facebook.com slash HangleCelluloid. On Twitter at Twitter.com slash HangleCelluloid. And if you are deeply interested in the best director there is, there are reviews of all of Yi Chang Dong's films on the site and are reviews of the vast majority of Jin Do Yun's films as well. So go have a look. And there's a couple of discs out on the UK market still. I know Oasis was a third window film. It certainly was, and still available. And I think I might be wrong. Either Poetry or Peppermint Candy, I thought I saw a UK cover for one of the other, or maybe both. Both uh, Peppermint Candy is, again, third window, and Poetry, oh, I can't remember who released it, but it's certainly, it might be Eureka, but it's still available in the UK. No Secret Sunshine for the UK, for some reason. No Secret Sunshine, which is which is strange. Again, the Criterion Collection is the US, so it's not like they dictate the UK. Totally, but, you know, it's just one of those things, I guess. But anyway, this was Korean Cinema. I ask, what's Korean Cinema? This was Korean Cinema. So I've been Kenobi, and with me was Paul Quinn. So uh, see you next time. Thank you very much, and say goodbye, Paul. See you later, guys. Mm-hmm.